are you working? What kind of work do you do? You're listening to The Edge with Aaron Karolnik. Giving you the expert advantage in the world of gambling and fantasy. We are feeling good on this Friday evening here on The Edge. It is Aaron Karolnik with you for another night. And Al's brother behind the glass will bring him in in just a moment. We're feeling good because the L.A. Chargers made us feel great last night with a somewhat surprising win over the Raiders, a game that featured... A lot of ineptitude, a lot of poor decision-making, a lot of frustrating choices throughout the evening. So if you were betting on that game, it was a very stressful night, as it always seems to be on these Thursday night games, does it not, Al's brother? Yeah, and how worried were you when you saw Justin Herbert fumble that ball in the end zone there oh. at the end? <laughs> For a second, I thought that they were going to call it a touchback or something, and that it was going to be the end of the game, but luckily they just redid the play. I don't know the entire rule book, but that one worked out in the Chargers' favors for people like you and I who both had them uh, as the, the pick last night. I did have the Chargers as the pick last night. They were plus three, maybe plus three and a half, depending on where you were looking. But there were a number of injuries heading into the game. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams with the Chargers were uncertain. Would they play? Would they be on snap counts? It wasn't really determined until the game had started where clearly both were on counts. So you saw my boy Tyron Johnson come through with any anytime TD. He went over the receiving yards number. So if you followed your boy on Twitter, you'd have had those picks. And I encourage you to do so. You can follow me at Aaron underscore Karolnik and Al's brother at Mickey underscore Canuck. Like, how have you not changed that to Al's underscore brother at this point? I should, shouldn't I? I probably yes. will. I'll look into that. Maybe uh, in the new year, new me, new Twitter. Oh, handle. all right. Well, we have a huge weekend in the NFL. And perhaps the best part of the weekend is that there are games on Saturday, starting with the Bills in Denver to play the Broncos. The Bills are favored by six. And there is a night game between Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. They're hosting Carolina, and the Packers are eight-and-a-half-point favorites. There is so much to get to tonight, Al's brother. Uh, Davis Sanchez will join us. His long-awaited return to the show. We have not had Davis Sanchez on in quite some time. I think perhaps you scared him off with your over-eager friendship. So Davis will join us in about ten minutes, and Don Padula will join us as he does every week for some Week 15 leans and survivor pools, man. Are, are you still alive in your in your NFL survivor pool? Unfortunately not. I've been out for weeks. Okay, so I'm in the Steve Simmons survivor pool, right? So I think it's about a hundred bucks I think it is a hundred bucks a team, and there were three hundred and ninety teams or something to start. And we are down to thirty four teams, including yours truly. And I've already I've already used all the big favorites. I mean the Rams who are seventeen and a half point favorites hosting the Jets. The Steelers are, I think, minus thirteen against Cincy. The Ravens are minus thirteen against Jacksonville. I don't have any of those available. I'm deciding between the Arizona Cardinals hosting Philly and the Cleveland Browns at the Giants. And this will probably be go down to a game time decision because if Colt McCoy is starting for the Giants, I think that could go a long way in making my decision. Probably. I would not go with Colt McCoy and definitely bet against him. And uh, Carlo last night got really, really rinsed there. He was on the Raiders. It sucks Mm -hmm. you when you make it so far into week 15. You just got to get through a couple of weeks. And when you lose in a game like that, it's got to be gutting. So, you know, good luck to everybody still out there. And and who's made it to week 15? Like you said, started at 300, down to 34. I'm actually surprised that there are that many people this late into the game. 
I don't know if I've told you this story or our audience the story about the first survivor pool I ever entered when I was nine years old. And I went to this barber down the street for me. My friend Mark Rosen and I were nine years old. We want to be in a survivor pool. I think it was 20 bucks a team. Our parents probably paid for us, definitely paid for us. How was I earning money when it was when I was nine? In any case, we get to week 14, and there are eight teams remaining. This was a pretty big pool, hundreds of teams for sure. And we had the Pittsburgh Steelers hosting the Cincinnati Bengals. I think they were, they were double digit favorites. Cordell Stewart was the quarterback. Jerome Bettis was out there. Huge favorites. Cordell Stewart throws a pick in overtime, and the Bengals beat the Steelers, costing my friend and I our first chance at survivor glory, and I've hated the Pittsburgh Steelers ever since. Hopefully it's a quick exit for the Steel Curtain in the playoffs. Yeah, that's a that's a bad beat there, AK. That is, especially as a, uh, yeah. as a youngin. But for me, I ended up getting into, I just did two survival pools this year. In week one, I took the Colts in one of my pools, and they lost to the Jags. So one of them, <laughs> I was out with. The only one. win they had all year. Exactly. Probably. Yeah, that's a that's a tough one. And I was nine years old, and my dad and I watched the game in a bar in Fort Lauderdale. So I'm sure a lot of the patrons were looking over, Are this kid is going to be an alcoholic or a degenerate gambler, or in my case, both. All right, let's get to the week ahead. And the big news from today, certainly, is that Drew Brees will return to play for the New Orleans Saints. He had 11 broken ribs on both sides of his body, a collapsed lung, but he's back in the NFL in Week 15, and what an opportunity for him to return in an easy matchup. No, it's actually the exact opposite. The Saints are hosting the Kansas City Chiefs, and to make matters more difficult for Breeze, Al's brother, his top target, Michael Thomas, is out once again. Yet the Saints are just three-point underdogs against KC. What do you make of that line, and what do you make of Breeze's return, especially in lieu of Thomas being out? I'm surprised we haven't seen movement on this, and I would imagine that overnight and into Sunday we will see some movement. I'll be surprised if this game doesn't open up uh, Sunday as a four and a half or a five point. Or I, I think it'll move that much because remember early in the season when Michael Thomas first injured his ankle and he was out, and how poor that offense was, and they really couldn't get it going. I mean, they lost to the Raiders, they lost to so many bad teams. Well, not so many, but they just looked bad, and they relied on their defense to get them through it. And they're not going to be able to rely on their defense this week against Kansas City. That is, they're just so explosive. It's going to be a track meet. And you think about it, no Michael Thomas. Uh, Drew Brees is, is basically 50% of Drew Brees. And it's just going to be too one-dimensional with Elvin Kamara. And I think that they'll Andy Reid will put together a pretty good game plan to try and limit his opportunities, in which case it's going to be a, a pretty big win, in my opinion, by KC. Yeah, I would imagine that any team that has a, a hope or a prayer to beat KC needs to put up 28, at least 30 points to beat KC because Mahomes is going to get his. It's, it's a certainty. That being said, I do believe the Saints are probably the team that's best equipped to handle the Chiefs. One, because I think Breeze is a big upgrade on Taysom Hill. I'm not a fan of Taysom Hill. I never have it. I don't believe that he has the juice to execute an offense the way that Drew Brees has and will continue to do so. But let's not forget about the Saints' defense. And, yeah, they played terrible against the Eagles last week. They allowed two 100-yard rushers and Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders. But prior to that, they hadn't allowed a 100-yard rusher in 55 games. The Saints' defense is legit. Will they be able to hold Patrick Mahomes to 250 yards and two passing touchdowns? That's probably a little bit optimistic. But I think with Breeze in the fold, even without Thomas, you're going to see Alvin Kamara 
deployed in a different fashion. With with Taysom Hill, Alvin Kamara was almost a decoy in the passing game. But with Drew Brees, Alvin Kamara is perhaps the best pass-catching running back in the National Football League, which that was just something that was not utilized with Taysom Hill, a quarterback, for whatever reason. So I think you're going to see a, a lot of different, different wrinkles from the Saints, and that is just the game. I, I can't wait to see how it plays out. I think it, it, it's definitely we're going to see a much better Alvin Kamara than we've seen in the last few weeks, and it's so unfortunate because just think of how many fantasy players lost out on all those points from Alvin Kamara leading yeah. up into the final stretch and into the, the first week of the playoffs, and now they're probably eliminated and they're not going to be able to reap the benefits of it. But anyways, um, I, I think that you're right that he is going to be deployed, he is going to be targeted, he's going to be the main target in both the running game and the passing game, but I don't look at that as a positive, because now I look at it, and all you have to do is neutralize one player, and that offense is sunk. Yeah, you're going to you're gonna be, and then they signed Emmanuel Sanders in the offseason for a reason, to really contribute, and he has not very, he's not contributed very much at all this year. This might be the game in which the Saints need to utilize him. Another quarterback story today was that Alex Smith of the Washington football team has been ruled out this weekend against the Seahawks, and the Washington football team has won three games in a row. Smith is out with a strained right calf, so we're seeing the return of Dwayne Haskins, who will make his first start since week four when the Washington team was just destroyed by the Ravens. This line has moved a little bit with the news that Smith is out and Haskins is in. Seattle's now favored by six and a half points. And to be honest, if I see this get to seven, I'm all over Washington. And I know Alex Smith is a great story, an inspirational story, leadership, everything like that. I get it. But Washington is a team that is predicated on defense. Chase Young is a monster. That defense has been exceptional of late. The switch from Smith to Haskins is somewhat significant, but I wouldn't make a wholesale change in how I handicap the game based on that. Here's the biggest difference going from Smith to Haskins. Smith is an amazing game manager, one of the best we've seen in our lifetime, to be quite honest with you, since he's come into the league, um, both with San Francisco and then with the Chiefs. And he's relied on a strong defense and then just managed the game properly, a strong running game as well, and he's just been able to kind of go down and, and protect the football. That's how they've been able to win these past few games. That is not the case with Dwayne Haskins. This guy throws picks like it's free water he's handing out to people who Ooh, are at a nice. marathon. And oh. <laughs> that was terrible off the top of my head. But yeah, anyways, um, and, and that's where the biggest issue is going to come. If he starts turning the ball over, uh, you put a lot of pressure on that defense, especially if he does it on his side of the field. Like, they're not going to be able to move the football. And you throw an interception on, like, your own 30, it's going to be tough to, to keep up with, with the, the, the Seahawks offense. Russell Wilson's coming yeah. off a pretty solid week, too, and it seems like he might be back. Yeah, I mean, you or I could probably have a big week against the New York Jets. I wouldn't read too much into what Russell Wilson did last week. But Seattle's been very Jekyll and Hyde this year. You often don't know what you're going to get. Early on in the season, they were just so bad in the secondary, just getting gashed time and time again. I guess we'll see what type of kind of development Dwayne Haskins has made. He's still a kid. It wasn't long ago that he was a, I believe, 15th overall pick by Washington and... He was not good, but he has been sitting for a long time. Did not look great in the second half last week, but perhaps with a full week of practice, we'll see a lot more from Dwayne Haskins as his Washington team host the Seattle Seahawks in a crucial game for both teams. Davis Sanchez standing by. We have not talked to Chez, a.k.a. 
Chezzy, as Kate Burness calls him on the NFL and TSN. We will catch up with Davis Sanchez when he joins us next on The Edge. Word to the wise. It's time to check in with Davis Sanchez, the wise guy. Half man, half amazing. On The Edge with Aaron Karolnik. It has been far too long since we've been able to play this music bed, this intro, as our next guest... He's been away from us. I, I don't know if there was an issue with his Gary parlay a couple of weeks ago. That did not go so well. But we are graced with the return of the man, the myth, the legend, TSN Edge lead analyst. It is Davis Sanchez. Chaz, what's up, man? I heard through the grapevine, and I can't mm-hmm. confirm this. I'd like you or, or possibly Al's brother to confirm this, that I got bumped. Uh, my spot in the rotation uh, for Dominic Padula. Is that is that true or, or what? Because I haven't heard from you guys in a few weeks, and uh, I heard that that was the reason why. That is indeed correct. Dom has made it uh, one of his missions in life to make sure that he gets priority over you on this show. But fortunately <laughs> tonight, Davis, both of you will be joining us. Dom's going to come up in about 15 minutes' time. I want to take a little bit of an issue with something I was watching over Zoom. I heard that you asked Al's brother what he's on this week, and I'm curious to know why you want to know Al's brother's picks, because as we're aware, he's a lemon, Davis. <laughs> well, it was our good friend. Our good friend Dom had a theory about. I believe it was three weeks ago, where he he thought Al's brother was due, and he just said, "I don't care what he picks, uh, how he picks him, or what it is. He's riding with him." And I don't know how that worked out for him because I I thought that was just ludicrous. But um, depending on if, uh, if 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 you see Dom. Taking the bus up into pulling into the TSN parking lot this week, I guess we'll <laughs> we'll know how that worked. Tailing tailing Al's brother blindly. I mean, it's it's a risky proposition. How how is Dom doing with your picks lately, Al's brother? Uh, lately, not too bad. I think I'm six and two in my last eight, oh. so it's all right. Yeah, okay, Parlay show me the receipts and the Chargers money line last night too. So that was a decent little decent little wager. All right, Davis. Well, Al's, Al's brother uh, is our teammate here at the Edge, TSN Edge. Your former teammate, Drew Brees, is back in the news this week. He will be making his return after missing almost a month. He had 11 broken ribs and a collapsed lung. You have been a professional athlete at the highest level, Davis. How do you think Drew Brees is going to respond physically and mentally in his return after such a serious injury? I am absolutely absolutely slamming the Chiefs as soon as I heard that Drew was playing. And <laughs> it, it, look, the, the skill set of, of Drew Brees is, is just going to expo- exploit his weaknesses with his injuries. That's, that's why. Like, Drew, okay, you want your best player. You have a Hall of Fame, pro, perennial Pro Bowl quarterback. He gives you a better chance to win a Super Bowl than Taysom Hill. He gives you a better chance on a regular day to beat the Kansas City Chiefs than Taysom Hill. But right now, today, this week, coming off 11 broken ribs, Drew Brees, look, look at his weaknesses. He's a, he's a short guy, right, always been small, but he, he's more athletic than you think. So he has some elusiveness and some escapability in the pocket. He doesn't now at almost 40 years old or however the, old, however the heck old he is. He doesn't have that now. So he can't get out of the pocket. Then take the fact that what's the, another weakness we hear about Drew Brees consistently, his arm strength. Well, 
when you have broken ribs, 11 of them, and he's going to shoot it up, and I've shot that area up, I know what it feels like, it's all about that torque and the twist to throw the ball. So a guy who doesn't have escapability because he's 40, a guy who already has weak, a weak arm because he's old, and now you're going to say he's, he's trying to tough through a rib injury, which you need that torque. Uh, if it was any other injury, I might roll with it. But this specific injury is especially um, – makes him especially vulnerable, and I would absolutely slam the Chiefs. I already am. I already did. As soon as I heard, I jumped on them, slammed them, locked them, text you, called Al's brother, called Al's brother's <laughs> brother. It don't matter. I'm all in on the Chiefs on this one. I think everybody is, and I'm totally with you, Davis. You didn't even mention that Michael Thomas, the number one wide receiver, unquestioned number one wide out for New Orleans, is out this week. And you look at the receiving core for New Orleans without Michael Thomas. You're talking about Emmanuel Sanders and Deontay Harris and Traquan Smith. Not quite a murderer's row of weapons for Breeze. I mean, I'm with you. I, I just am concerned about New Orleans. Their pension for covering over the last couple of years is noted, especially at home. They are only three point, or they are three point dogs uh, with hosting the Kansas City Chiefs, a, a team that is as potent on offense as any. And uh, I mean, I think this is the game of the week, and the return of Breeze definitely makes it a more compelling game. Yeah. Mahomes versus Breeze, but uh, the three points for the Chiefs, man, it doesn't seem like enough. Yeah, and that's it, it, normally that would be uh, something that would concern me. Anytime you see, hey, look, this is a reality. We and you talk about it off off air, AK, and it's, it's the way it is. If if something seems like it's too good to be true, and everybody's darling team is, is the numbers really short, like the Kansas City Chiefs minus three with an injured Drew Brees, it's usually it's usually could too good to be true. Uh, but the only the only reason that I like this is because I think that the general public sees Drew Brees coming back, and they think that's a good thing. And I think it's Drew's ego, which he has a big ego, and he should. He's a Hall of Famer. He he has a big ego, and he wants to come back and play. He thinks he'll make a difference. I think that this particular injury, not any injury, but this particular injury and the torque that is involved in throwing the football when you have broken ribs, Take a, such a big will have such a big effect on his play that uh, there's nothing he can do to help it, and, and uh, that's that's why it's just all day Kansas City. And, and if I'm proven wrong, then good, prove me wrong. But I don't see it happening. Davis Sanchez is our guest. You see him on the NFL and TSN on Sundays. He's TSN Edge's lead NFL analyst. And you talk about too good to be true, Chez. And I'm looking at the Buffalo Bills this weekend. They're looking for their seventh win in eight games. They're in Denver to play the Broncos. This line opened up with Buffalo as four-point favorites. Has been bet up to Buffalo minus six and a half. Personally, I'm on the Broncos. They've been playing better football of late. I think going Buffalo coming off that really emotional win over the Steelers on Sunday night, I can feel a close game, a field goal game here. Which way are you leaning, Bills and Broncos? Uh, I'm leaning so far the same way as you. You might be sitting on my lap and calling Ooh. me daddy. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you here, pal. Uh, this is, this is, look, I'm a big fan of what Buffalo's been doing. Uh, a lot of us, I think, in, in this area code are, are, you know, enjoying what, what the Bills are doing. And I think they got a shot here, uh, you know, long-term and making it run the AFC. But 
look at the look at what happens with the, the Denver Broncos and how they play. Drew Locke, super aggressive. Uh, obviously, him Jerry Judy is a guy that's that's gonna you know he's gonna make plays. Uh, Drew Locke goes downfield, and one thing about the Broncos that I don't think is you know everyone realizes or everybody respects is they can run the ball. I mean they're not a dominant run team, but they can run the ball when they want to and. The Bills don't stop the run extremely well. They're, they'll keep this game close. I think ultimately the Bills do win this game. Uh, I, I don't see Denver win this game. I think the Bills pull it out. But I think it is going to be a close game. And you're going to give me six six points or six and a half points. Also a great spot for a teaser. This, Drew Locke is, is too good and too aggressive uh, to, to lay that many points. Uh, you know, when a Bills team that still is good, but they're not, they're not dominant defensively. I can't lay... Uh, that against Denver. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm totally with you. And Denver's been playing some good ball lately. A big win over over Carolina. If you throw that one game out where they had to play that practice squad wide receiver in the last month, they've been a quality football team. I think they're going to put forth a good effort and really compete with Buffalo. Let's talk about the Bears who visit who visit Minnesota. They play the Vikes this weekend. Minnesota is favored by three points. And Dan Bailey just missed another field goal. No, I'm just not watching a replay. Uh, the Bears are coming off a huge win over the Texans. The Vikings lost to Tampa where Dan Bailey missed three field goals and an extra point. How do you see these two fringe playoff contenders in the NFC, Davis? Yeah, so fringe. Let's be honest. When, you, when you're – I think the, the, the numbers mathematically are, you know, 15% or 25%. They're not going to make the playoffs. Either of these teams are, are – both these teams are not going to make the playoffs, and in my in my view, I don't, do you agree? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you for sure. I, it's hard to see. And both those teams are, are mediocre at best. And and there's the scenario that they find themselves in right now. It's really going to be a it's a long shot for them to make the playoffs. It, so to me, when I when I look at how Minnesota plays and how how's Minnesota win, forget about. Forget about Thielen and Jefferson because they only have success, those guys, and Kirk Cousins' awful play action. And if you have to be physical and you have to and you want to run the ball and that's how you're going to set up the rest of your offense and you do that knowing that you have three weeks likely left in your season, uh, I just don't – I don't feel like that formula to win is, uh, is a good formula for Miami. I think they've – I think they've somewhat checked out. I think Mike Zimmer – has somewhat lost that room. Uh, I, I know that Mike Zimmer's a pain in the butt for for a lot of veteran players. He's just a guy that kind of his old his old school ways rub people the wrong way. You expect those guys and Dalvin Cook, a, a young guy who's who's not going to run in there, I don't think, and take a beating, uh, you know, for four quarters just trying to set up Kirk Cousins to throw the ball down the field. It's it's just not conducive to winning. And, and if it was playoff football, sure, but. In a, in a situation where I don't think that these guys are going to make the playoffs, I don't think they believe they will. They can't run the ball to set up the pass. And your boy, your boy, Mitch Trubisky, uh, two straight games, uh, 30 points or more, uh, they can uh, move the ball. They can make plays. And he's a motivated guy because he's looking for a contract and looking for his future. I just think Chicago is a more motivated team because they've been out of contention and – they have a quarterback who cares more, doesn't have $140 million like Kirk Cousins does. And uh, Dalvin Cook also just got paid. I just, this is there's a, a motivated team in Chicago and Minnesota, I think, is Dunzel Washington. 
Oh, nice. I like that. Another one of my boys, Chez, is Gardner Minshew. I love growing my mustache out and rocking the jean shorts on the weekend. And Minshew Mania is back for Jacksonville. They're at Baltimore. And you like the over on the Jags. Can you explain why? Well, yeah. Look, is is Baltimore a great, explosive, offensive team? Uh, sure as heck not. Uh, yes. They won a football game. Yes, Lamar still looked terrible in their vertical pass game. But don't tell them that. Uh, Hollywood Brown and and and, um, and Lamar Jackson both probably feel like they've uh, you know turned the corner and they've made some things happen. I think this team in Baltimore offensively is has found some confidence. Whether they should or not is not not for me to decide. But I think they'll want to continue, uh, you know, to, to put up put up numbers, make a make a point of, of you know doing something offensive that they have not been able to do. And for that reason, uh, I think they take more shots than usual. And and Gardner Minshew, to your point, your boy, uh, Gardner is not going to be NFL starting quarterback uh, next year. He he won't be, and he's just in a situation where they're so bad in Jacksonville that. Uh, he's been a starter, but Charter Mitchell will not be a starter continuously moving forward. And, and for that reason, he's a great backup, but he's a gunslinger. He's a Ryan Fitzpatrick kind of guy. And for that reason, he's going to, I think he slings the ball down the field, takes shots, and he doesn't really care. And so for a guy that doesn't care, an offense in Baltimore that thinks that they are better than they are, I think the, uh, the game goes over. That's a, that's a long answer, but I, I'm really passionate about that one. One of my favorite plays of the week. Yeah, I think Minshew and DJ Chark resumed their connection they had early on this year, and James Robinson's been a stud all year for Jacksonville. The The ground game has been really good for that team, and I think it continues to roll on Sunday. Davis, a pleasure to have you back on the show. Hopefully you join us you know, maybe once every six weeks as opposed to the, the frequency that we've seen recently, buddy. Yeah, I got a, got a question for you, but get, get back to me on this one. Uh... Who do I have to sleep with to get a, a consistent spot on the show? But, hey, get back to me with that one, eh? All right. I will uh, I will let you know, and I think his name starts with Al's. His name ends in brother, and that's the answer. Uh, that, is da- that, is da- that is my man, uh, Davis Sanchez, TSN Edge lead analyst. Sticking with the TSN Edge theme. Oh, I love Davis Sanchez. What a great guy. Don Padula, the executive producer of TSN Edge, is going to join us next. We'll talk with Week 15, Survivor and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a preseason favorite in the NFC. What to make of the Bucks now heading into Week 15? That and more next on The Edge. Oh, baby. This is a introduction. I want this song played at my funeral, Al's brother. Of course, you'll be a Paul Bear. It goes without saying. You mark this down and let my family know. Let's welcome in our man, Don Padua, the executive producer of TSN Edge, who joins us every Friday at this time. What's happening, Dom? What's going on, man? I love the intro. Thanks for that. Is that Al's brother that had that queued up? Yeah, yes, Al's sir. brother... He's he's not only known for his good looks, he also is known for some quality music selection, and he he got right to it right there. Dom, let's get right to it. I was talking with I was talking with Drew Bree, talking with uh, David Sanchez about his former teammate Drew Brees, who's back for the Saints, but Michael Thomas is out for the Saints, and 
KC is in New Orleans. They're three-point favorites. How do you make? How do, what do you make of the developments over the course of the day? If you were backing the Saints, are you feeling better or are you feeling worse? Oh, I'm going to feel a lot worse, uh, significantly worse. And and part of feeling worse is, of course, I've been riding Michael Thomas in three of my four fantasy leagues all season, which has turned out to be a complete disaster going into a Paris semifinals this week, and I won't have him in my lineup again. Uh, but when you look at the developments for the Saints, Drew Brees coming back, I, I actually didn't love that very much either. Uh, part of it is what Davis was talking about when he was just on, you know, coming back from that rib injury, um, how – how in sync would Drew Brees be? Um, would the pain hold him back at all? Would it hurt his ability to move the ball down the field? All of those things come into play. And now you take Michael Thomas out of the equation, and I think it hurts the Saints even more. You know, the Chiefs haven't covered him five straight. I think that's a big part of why the number is so close, not to mention, hey, let's give credit to the Saints where credit's due. They've been a pretty good football team all year. They're number one in DVOA. Um, and the Chiefs, on the other hand, Look, they've had a lot of close games lately, and I think part of that, they haven't been able to run the football, they haven't been able to stop the run, and they've really committed to trying to do both, and it hasn't worked out. Now, when you have Patrick Mahomes and you have Tyreek Hill, you have Travis Kelsey, it's kind of like a cheat code on offense. When you want to turn it on, you really can, and they can score at will. But we haven't really seen that from them of late. I mean, even when they have these big quarters or big halves where they absolutely go off. I mean, you look at the game against the Bucks a couple of weeks ago, and in the first half they were absolutely rolling. It looked like they were going to cover easily, and then they end up winning by just three points in the end. Last week against Miami, another game that was a lot closer than it probably should have been just based on what we saw from the Miami offense. But Chiefs offense, again, when they wanted to turn it on in the second half, they really did. They did enough to win. Um, but they didn't do enough to cover. Now, the difference this week is that the Chiefs, they're only a three-point favorite. So unlike when they play those vastly inferior opponents and they're giving up at, at least a touchdown or more, and you know maybe they're not getting up for those games as much as they would for a game against the Saints, and they're a little tighter than you think they're going to be, this week they're only a three-point favorite against a pretty good New Orleans team. But again, Drew Brees coming back, we don't know what to expect from him. Um, Michael Thomas goes down. Saints, you know, not I don't I wouldn't say exposed just because they had one bad game against the Eagles. Especially we didn't know what to expect from Jalen Hurts, and I think he really did a good job with his legs until he got up for that game. But going into this one, you're only giving up three points, taking the Chiefs. And if I have to, uh, if I have to bet KC, it's going to be in a spot like this where I think Mahomes and the Chiefs are going to win, and I'm not giving up many points. So I think it's a good fit for the Chiefs. Dom, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they're 8-5, and five, but they've been such a weird team all year, and they really have been quite underwhelming. Yet they are six-point favorites on the road in Atlanta, and the Bucs pretty much a lock to make the playoffs in the NFC. Where they'll be seated is to be determined. Are you comfortable laying six with the Bucs in Atlanta this week? I am, and I think it's a good get-right game for them, too. You know, coming off Minnesota, they're going to have a very favorable schedule to close out the year, and I think they could finish strong. You look at even in the games that they've lost, the game to the Rams, the game to the Chiefs. I remember Thursday night football back in week five against the Bears where the offense really struggled in the fourth quarter. But, again, those were all close losses. And when they've won, they've won big. They went over the Vikings last week. They won that game by 12 points, double-digit win. Panthers, they beat by double digits. Raiders, Packers. 
Those are all games that they won, and they won big. So it seems like when they're able to establish a, a lead and play with that lead um, and, and protect Tom Brady, which in those wins they've done a really good job of that, um, they are able to cover in these games. And, and then, again, you, you play a team like the Rams, really good front, really were able to get up after Brady and make him feel uncomfortable. They struggled and lose that game. You know, kept it close against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs um, back in Week 12. They ended up covering that game. So we go into this matchup against the Falcons. I don't think the Falcons have um, the secondary to really match up with these Buccaneers wide receivers. I think Tom Brady will have more than enough time to get the ball out to them. And no Julio Jones for the for the Falcons. So that sets up as an even better matchup for a Bucks defense that, you know, still some question marks, but they played pretty good against the Vikings last week. And maybe that's something to build off down the stretch here. Dom, we always talk about our survivor pool, and we try to give their audience as much information as possible to make informed decisions in theirs. We're on a week 15, so it's slim, it's slim pickings at this point. There are four double-digit favorites, Pittsburgh, the L.A. Rams, the Baltimore Ravens, and the Tennessee Titans. I don't have any of those teams available for use. My selections right now, I'm hoping you could talk me through it. I'm debating between the Cleveland Browns, who are at the Giants, and the Arizona Cardinals, who are hosting the Philadelphia Eagles. If you had to pick one of those two teams for your survivor pool, who would you be backing? Well, I'll preface this by saying, you know, keep an eye on the lineups, because by the time we get to Sunday, um, we could see some major changes to rosters, and we're already seeing that with the Giants. And a key loss for them, James Bradbury in that secondary. They were already thin enough at cornerback, um, and now they lose Bradbury. That's a huge loss for that defense. I already like the Browns going into that game to begin with. Their rush, rushing attack has been absolutely outstanding. They looked great against the Ravens. I was you know, wondering a little bit, uh, is it a potential letdown spot coming off that tough game against the Ravens? But look, they, they flex this game. It's in prime time. Uh, Cleveland's relatively healthy. They're playing good football. And the Giants just lost Bradbury, which I think is a very significant loss for that defense. So I really do like Cleveland in that spot. Now, I'm going to see what happens this weekend and, and what both rosters look like by the time we get to kickoff. And I know when you talk about the Arizona Cardinals and Philadelphia Eagles, to me, that just seems like a game It's much harder to forecast, and it's twofold. First, what can we expect from Jalen Hurts in his second game? You know, he looked pretty good running the football, but not didn't do a very good job against the Saints when it came to passing the ball. And then now that there's a week of tape, um, Cardinals, will they make the adjustment in order to commit to slowing him down on the ground? And, and what can we expect from him in his second game? And then on the flip side, Kyler Murray, to me, um, I know he was dealing with a shoulder injury, and that must have impacted his performance. All of a sudden last week, he decided that he was going to run the football at will, and you know, maybe that is a testament to the shoulder getting better. But I just I need to see a little bit more from him in that Arizona offense before I'm able to trust them. I know Philly secondary is beat up a little bit this week. Um, so if I, if I don't have Cleveland, I, I'm not completely uncomfortable taking Arizona. But again, no Bradbury for the Giants, who looked awful last week. Cleveland's looked pretty good. There's a good chance I'm going to take the Browns. And i got to be honest, it, it really does scare me because – I was on the Seahawks a couple of weeks ago when Colt McCoy and the Giants took mm. them down. And if I end up going down with all four of my survivor picks on the Giants, I'm really going to have a hard time this offseason dealing with that. So, But I like Cleveland. 
And one more wrinkle just to the survivor angle. If you look at week 16, do you know who's playing the Jets, Dom? It's the Cleveland Browns. So perhaps you might want to save the Browns until week 16, use the cards this week, and then perhaps skate by into week 17 where anything can happen. Dom, thank you as always for doing this, my friend. Look forward to having you back on next week. Thank you, guys. Looking forward to the Pound the Table picks. Have a great weekend. All right. Well, right into it. All right. That was Dom Padula, the executive producer of TSN Edge. And, yes, the Pound the Table picks of the week coming your way next. The Grappler, Al's brother, join me as they do at this time every week. That's coming up next. Hammering home conviction. Stop the hammering. It's the Pound the Table picks of the week. Where's the hammer? On the Edge with Aaron Karolnik. Wrapping things up here on The Edge, as we always do on a Friday evening. I am Aaron Korolnik, joined, as we always are at this time, by Keith Bauer, a.k.a. The Grappler, the producer extraordinaire of Overdrive, and Al's brother, whatever you do at TSN. Good to have you, Al's brother, and good to have you, The Grappler. Pound the table picks of the week, boys. We have been on fire, absolutely on fuego of late. Let's keep the good times rolling. Grappler, lead us off with your two pound the table picks. <laughs> All right, let's do it. I got two uh, two road favorites this week. For number one, I got the Chiefs at minus three over the Saints. Uh, I mean, it's pretty well, just like any other Chiefs opponent, I don't know if they can keep up with the Chiefs offense. I mean, the Saints have been pretty strong defensively, but after how they looked last week versus Jalen Hurts at his first NFL start, I don't know how they're going to contain what Jalen Hurts hopes to be, which is Patrick Mahomes. You got Tyreek, you got Travis Kelsey putting up MVP-like numbers, needs just 128 yards in the next few games to pass George Kittle's record for, for receiving yards by a tight end in the season and could become the first tight end to lead the NFL in receiving yards. You got Breeze back in the lineups, but I almost think that's a hindrance for the Saints. I would have given him one more week. Uh, you got no Michael Thomas for the Saints either, either in what has really become a lost year for him. I got to take the Chiefs to win by at least three in this one. That is game number one. Game number two, I got the Bucks at minus six over the Falcons. This line started at three and a half early in the week. It has since dropped to six, which is fine. We can still work with that. Um... I mean, Brady's 6-0 and versus the Bucks in his career, including everyone's favorite 28-3 to blown lead in Super Bowl 51. Uh, the Bucks have had their ups and downs, downs this year, but we know how much TV wants to make this work in Tampa. Uh, too much talent on both sides of the ball. On the Falcons' side of things, Matty Ice had a brutal week against the Chargers last time out, throwing three picks. The Chargers were able to get a lot of pressure on Matty, something that duo of Jason Pierre-Paul and Shaq Barrett will continue to do this week. No Julio for the Falcons. I don't think Calvin Ridley can get it done being the real only threat on you know that offensive side right now. Uh, Got to take the Bucks to roll with those six points. All right, Graps, quality selections as per usual. Al's brother, your two picks. Yeah, I'm going the complete opposite of the grappler here. Not with the teams, but with the road guys. Or I'm I'm liking the home dogs or the home favorites rather, uh, which is the opposite of what the graps is going for. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I, you know what? The first game that I'm picking here, I'm pounding the table on the Miami Dolphins. Look, New England, they just can't score any points. It's this offense has been so porous uh, all season long, and the Dolphins they don't allow a lot of points. This defense has really come on as of late. I think Cam Newton is going to have a tough time moving that ball. He has a tough time keeping the ball in his hands. The turnovers have been really bad for him this year. And the Dolphins, what do they like to do? 
force a lot of turnovers. This matchup doesn't look good for the Patriots. The Finns are playing for their playoff lives. And I've liked what I've seen from Tua lately, to be quite honest with you. I think he's starting to get the hang of things in the NFL. And I think uh, they win this one by at least a field goal. So give me the Finns minus two. And I'm also pounding the table for the Minnesota Vikings. Look. They're laying three against the Bears. And if I were handicapping this game, I would have thought that this would have been more of a four and a half, five, maybe even five and a half point spread between these ones. So considering it's just a field goal game, I really do like them here. I think there's a false sense that Chicago is a half decent team because Trubisky's kind of given them a little bit of light over the past couple of weeks. But Look, they, they haven't played good teams. They played Detroit and they played Houston, two awful, awful teams. I think that the Vikings are actually a decent team. They're going to struggle, and I think they're just going to hand the ball off to Dalvin Cook. That run game will be extremely strong for Minnesota, so I'm going to take the Vikes at home, minus three. All right, I want to apologize to Jack Armstrong, Carlo Koliakobo, two big Bills fans, because they're not about to like what I'm about to say. The Bills, we know they've won six of seven. They're coming off that huge win against the Steelers. Everyone's talking about the Bills. Are they real contenders in the AFC? Could they be Super Bowl contenders? The answer to both those questions are no. And also the Bills will not fare well in Denver this week. They are six-and-a-half-point favorites. I love the Broncos here. A prime letdown spot for Buffalo against a team in the Broncos that has been playing very good football of late. A big win against Carolina. They kept it real close against Casey a couple of weeks ago and throw away that game from the practice squad quarterback or practice squad wide receiver who played quarterback from Denver. They've been excellent in the last month. I think Denver keeps it close, perhaps even wins outright. I'm also on Tampa Bay. When Atlanta doesn't have Julio Jones, they're a completely different football team. Matt Ryan's not nearly as effective. Calvin Ridley can't do it all himself. And I think Tampa Bay, perhaps, this is the week where they really start to get going. And they've been all over the map all year. They need to get hot and get hot quickly. And I think Tom Brady and that entire team knows that. I think this is the spot for Tampa Bay here. And those are our pound-the-table picks. Again, I'm on Tampa, minus 6, Denver, plus 6.5. Owls Brothers on Miami, minus 2. A pick I completely disagree with, by the way. New England and Belichick, you know what happens against rookie quarterbacks, Owls Brother. Just ask Justin Herbert how it went when he opposed Belichick earlier this week, or earlier this season. Well, I think the Herbert one is a valid, I guess you could say, discussion, but that was all defense and special teams. And Anthony Lynn is not on Good the... Good point. You know what? I take it back. I take it back. There's no Anthony, Anthony Lynn, Lynn on the Anthony Miami sidelines. So. Yeah, so you're on Miami minus two and Minnesota minus three, and the grappler is on Tampa minus six and KC minus three. I think KC is going to be the most public play of all, and... With uh, the whole Drew Brees situation coming back from injury, no Michael Thomas. I think everybody will be on KC. Would not at all surprise me if New Orleans got it done in the contrarian selection of the week. Boys, it's been a pleasure. Merry Christmas. We will not have a show next week on Friday, so you do not have to talk to me, which I know will delight you both. And uh, it's been a pleasure spending all this time with you in 2020. Many, many successful wagers coming down the pipe in 2021. So have a great time with your families, and we'll speak to you in a couple weeks, boys. Sounds good, AK. Sounds good, gentlemen. All right, that's the grappler, Keith Bauer, Mike DeStefano, a.k.a. Al's brother. I am Aaron Korolnik. You've been listening to The Edge here on TSN 1050.